Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome inside the Braves booth. This is season two, episode two, and altogether our 20th uh, podcast. So we appreciate you being out there. Thanks so much for listening and liking and subscribing and being part of our regular audience via the podcast medium uh, throughout the season. Great to have you all out there alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick, Ben Ingram here with you. And as we bring you this episode, we're once again sitting inside our home radio booth here at Cool Today Park in Northport, Florida. Braves just beat the Red Sox on a Friday afternoon, 6-3. And Joe, uh, fewer than two weeks now to opening day and the lineup that we saw today, very similar to what we could see on opening day. Yeah, and I like that. I like, um, uh, even though they might not have been in their, their spots in the batting order that you're accustomed to seeing today, uh, there was a method to Brian Snitker's madness today to try to get some guys there at bats early so they don't, they don't have to play too deep into the ball game. Tomorrow, for example, uh, he said Dansby Swanson would lead off. Uh-huh. So he's going to get his bat, at bats fast um, and depends on how much Dansby wants to play tomorrow. He's got the luxury of being able to tell Brian if he wants two or three or more at bats. And that's a good thing. So to be able to see those guys in the lineup for home games – um, that's a good good thing for another reason. They don't have to travel as much. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I want to ask you about the pitching in a second, but one more question I've got for you. We talk about the players, where they need to be and what they need to do to get ready for a season and all that. What about for Brian Snitker? I mean, you're getting closer and closer to the end of camp, and it's not just about evaluating players. I'm sure in his mind he's coming up with ideas for the lineup, who's going to be hitting where. I'm sure that you know the players know that the lineup is going to fluctuate through the season, but more times than not, I think you'd like to run out uh, a, a, a lineup uh, that's very similar night in, night out. So where do you think it, he is with all this, and what do you think it's like for a manager at this point? Well, they, they have work to do in the offseason too, Ben. For example, Brian told me that in the wintertime, he would uh, practice – uh, walking out his patio doors to the backyard, and when he got to the grass, he'd just point off to the right <laughs> as if he were making a pitching change. Yeah. But um, no, one of the, I think for the manager in spring training, the key is making sure you have your full complement of players when the season starts, so that you don't you don't hurt anybody. Yeah, you know if if anybody's got a 
a groin or a sore shoulder or something else that's bothering him a little bit, he by all means wants you to take care of that, wants the training staff to advise him on uh, where are we, how soon can they get back in there. And um, we talked about this last weekend, about how many at-bats do you need to start a season. And he's very conscious of that. And in a shortened spring training like this, he's got to go to all the guys and say, you know, how much do you want? How much do you need? How much did you work out uh, during the lockout? Yeah, and evaluate that as we progress throughout spring training, getting them where they need to be. I know one thing that he's got to be excited about are his pitchers. I mean, these guys have looked great. We saw Ian Anderson today, three scoreless innings. We've seen Max Fried once. He had three scoreless innings. Um, you know, some of these others that we have seen have gone out there and done really well. We saw Kyle Muller for two and two-thirds today. So Bryce Elder. Yeah, Bryce Elder looked really good. Let's Kyle see. Wright was really good. Yeah. Um, on, on that um, note with the pitchers, I just can't imagine that these guys during the lockout – were just throwing bullpens. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they were going down to the high school field and finding a catcher and throwing to somebody in a bullpen. I can't believe that as sharp as they are and as hard as they're throwing uh, here in, in this early part of camp. Uh, you, it's the kind of stuff you expect in the second week going into the third week of spring training when they're airing it out. So these guys have been doing something somewhere, throwing simulated games to teammates or friends that are playing pro ball, something of that nature, because it's so impressive. It's what I want to see more than anything down here, because the bats are going to come and go. They'll have good days and bad days. Uh, Altogether, you want your bats to have a lot more good days than bad days, and I think this lineup will. But I think the one constant through 162 is pitching and defense. If I've got that, if that's consistently good all year, I'm going to be a really good team by season's end. So, and we've seen a lot of that this spring. Yeah, and we were talking today um, about the National League East, and you mentioned uh, how it, it's every bit as good as the American League East in terms of teams, and in fact, the bottom end of the National League East is probably better, uh, and I agree with you. But if you started matching up pitching staffs um, against one another, East versus East, the National League East has got it big time. Mm-hmm. Every team's got some, you know, has got at least two, if not three to five starters that are just butt kickers. You know, they are really good. And you don't want to get off to a slow start because it's hard to catch up against when you're those teams when you play them so much. Yeah, it is. And that's why I like the Braves pitching staff so so much. Maybe this, this staff doesn't get the attention that others do because there's not that one ace that is going to go out there and win 20 games and maybe be a Cy Young contender. I think you got a few guys who could compete for this year. But as far as the depth goes, one, two, three. You, know, you can say what you want about the Mets and, and DeGrom and Scherzer and tell me all about you know other guys uh, in this division. But I think one, two, three for this team. And we saw them ride those guys to a world championship last year. Right. I, I, I'm still anxious to see Charlie pitch. I don't know when that's going to be. Charlie Morton, of course, uh, coming back from his uh, broken bone in his leg uh i don't know how soon it will be but i would guess already they've decided uh quietly that max Fried will be the opening day starter would be yeah. my guess but uh, let's hope charlie's not too far behind on that mm-hmm. but yeah between charlie and ian and max that's a pretty good threesome pretty solid threesome to start and if you can have these other guys kyle wright or whomever else fills out the end of the rotation start the season just be solid just get out there pitch throw strikes your bullpen is so deep, and I cannot wait to see how they use this thing because we could see McHugh 
as an opener multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Kenley Jansen in the ninth, I mean, that, that gives you the flexibility to do whatever you want with Will Smith. Um, you're going to be running out guys fifth, sixth inning some nights where you're just seeing shut down innings. Don't you feel like, though, that um, it's not automatic that Kenley's going to close? Right. Yeah, I agree he's, with that. He's the guy, and Brian has said he is a guy, but that doesn't mean he will be there three nights in a row. Mm-hmm. What a luxury to have, Will, uh, to be able to step in and do finish games that uh, perhaps Kenley's not – physically able to close on any particular day I, I it's a loaded bullpen it's solid and it's deep and it's balanced uh especially since they got jansen that helps balance out the left and right it, it's going to be really good and you're going to need that i mean I, I think about an entire season you you can design games and give me the blueprint for games all you want it's not going to go like that there are going to be times late in the season where you use will Two at two out of four nights, or two out of three nights, or Kenley Jansen three nights in a row, or whatever. You've got other guys who can pitch the ninth. It doesn't have to be Kenley every single time or Will every single time. You the the point is you've got plenty of depth. You have plenty of names where to navigate through 162. There are going to be spots here and there where you're going to have to rely on somebody else for the final three outs, and you've got that. Everybody, every one of them is closed. AJ Minter was our closer for a while. Mm-hmm. Luke Jackson was the closer for a while. Colin McHugh has closed games. This is, uh, is going to be, excuse me, this is going to be some guys uh, used in roles that um, you wouldn't think uh, would be necessary in the eighth or ninth inning, but they're used to it. Mm-hmm. Tyler Matzik. Mm-hmm. Tyler Matzik may not be a closer, but you think he can't do it? Right. I'm not going to question that. No you way. know he could. For crying out loud, mm-hmm. he is as good as it gets out there. So now it's about you know navigating your way through and and snit uh, managing the bullpen. It's it's one of the biggest challenges for every single manager every single year, and it worked last year and we won the World Series. And now you add pieces to that bullpen, and while there are several strengths of this team, I think that might be the leading strength of the team at least on paper right now. Oh, and isn't that great to say? Yeah. I mean, how many times has have we said it? How many times has Brian Snitker thought to himself? Oh boy! Now, now who do I go to? Mm-hmm. You know, there were times you were talking about uh, during the game again today about uh, those great uh, situations where a guy comes out of nowhere to make a club, right? Uh, in spring training, well, sometimes they made that club because there wasn't anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, with all due respect to some of those guys, it was like, okay, here's kind of the lesser of two evils. Let's try him, and that guy might wind up pitching well. You don't have to worry about that this year. There, no. are, there are arms all over the place for the bullpen if needed. And the guy we were talking about when we brought that up was Tyler Thornburg. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we'll see him during the season. He looked really good uh, coming off an injury uh, from last season where he didn't get the pitch. And uh, Another name we could see a lot in the bullpen this season. Uh, I'm excited for uh, the personality this team takes on when it comes to this season. It's a team that won the, the World Series last year. I think there is just a... It was a confident bunch to begin with, but I think there's a load of confidence that comes with uh, being a returning champion, knowing what it takes to, to do it and accomplishing that. We've not seen a back-to-back champion in 22 years, right. I think since the Yankees in 98 through 2000. So it's hard to do. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. But going through what they went through last year, knowing how tough this division is going to be again this season and the league altogether, I just like the fact that when you're coming off of that, and you tell me if you agree with this or not, but it should be a bunch that's not going to be shaken. They're not going to panic. Good days, bad days. It might be cliche, but, man, you play 162 games. You do this for six months. 
you can't be panicking if you have a four or five game losing streak. Um, we saw this team stay under 500 for four months last year. And not that the division is going to be like that again this season. Thank goodness nobody ran off and yeah. left us. It just, I think there's a level of confidence that will come with this bunch after what they achieved last season where they're not going to be phased by anything good or bad. They're going to be consistent. That's what I look forward to more than anything this season is how consistently they can go about their business every single day and win that night's ball game. I think it's going to be a really fun summer, and, and, and that's really one of the main reasons for it. Uh, I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you at all. What, However, I don't want to. I don't want anybody to be any kind of anywhere near complacent, thinking, "Oh, we got off to a bad start last year. We mm-hmm. we can we can we showed we can bounce back and do it again." Well, maybe you can't. Right. You know, maybe the players that were acquired at the trade deadline, maybe there's not anybody out there this year that can do the same thing to help the club get it really going. Maybe there are teams that say, "I'm not dealing with the Braves. I'm not going to give them any players that might help them." All of those things, you can't count on that all happening again. Right. You've got to go about your business day in and day out from day one. Uh, that old adage, you can't win it in April, but you can lose it. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of truth to that. Get off to a good start. Maintain that that confidence you took into the offseason. Come out with a little swagger. You know, put that mm-hmm. ring on and feel good about yourself but you've still got work to do, and there are going to be teams night after night who want to knock you off. I think that confidence is going to be big. I, I look forward to that, knowing that you're the defending champion and if telling every other team, if you want it, come get it. Um, you're, you're hunting us, but but look, we're, we're planning on being right back where we were last season. Let's let's pivot to some of the comments made by, by uh, Dave Roberts over the last 24 hours. We know that the Dodgers are going to be a really good team. They should be anyway. Got a bunch of really good players. High expectations. The expectations there have been high for many, many years. And they fully expect to be in the World Series, which is great. I think the Mets expect that. The Braves certainly expect that. If you don't expect that out of your ball club, well, you're you're probably not going to be there. I think you need that expectation. But that being said, do you think that um, there's an element of shock that comes with him guaranteeing in the third week of March that they're going to win the World Series this year? That that. That kind of shocked me, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. Uh, Dave Roberts is a good manager, and he's done a good job with a ball club that's loaded with talent. But um, yeah, you've certainly put a bullseye on yourself when you when you make comments like that. And being that good and that loaded with talent, you can understand why he's fired up. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, I, I said during the broadcast today, he's going to hear that thrown back at him a few times during the course of the season, especially if if they don't stay healthy. Right. If Clayton Kershaw is not able to pitch like they hope he can bounce back and pitch. Uh, if something uh, – Turner's had some problems in the past injury-wise, if he's not the same. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take uh, – just an injury or two here and there. Right. Change the whole complexion of things. And there's nothing – certainly you can't put it past the Dodgers to – Add more players. They'll mm-hmm. go out and get whoever they need if somebody gets hurt. But uh, they've got the nucleus of a world championship club. They won it two years ago. Uh, we won it last year. No reason to think the Dodgers aren't going to be capable of doing it and coming back this year. Uh, I, there's nothing I'd like better than to play them in the NLCS. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like going in that 
they could easily be on a uh, collision course to see each other once again. I, I find it interesting the two different approaches by the two managers, talking about Brian Snitker and, and Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts comes out on March 24th and said, I guarantee you we're winning the World Series. You can write it down. You can record this, whatever it may be. It, it's so hard. It, to me, in my opinion, it, it's so hard to even think that way because of all the unknowns that come with the season. I don't care what you look like on March 24th. There are a lot of teams that look damn good on March 24th mm-hmm. that come August 24th, September 24th. It's a different tune. Uh, and maybe they will be there. I don't know. But to think that way is, is, is interesting because the way that Brian Snitker has thought about it, and I know this because of, of what he told the team when he addressed them first day of camp, said, congratulations again on everything you accomplished. It was an amazing season. You won the World Series. But our goal first is winning the division. We want to get back to the World Series. We want to win it again. But we can't do that until we win the division. And that is goal number one. You'll set your goals on the World Series once you get into the postseason. Um, it's good to go into a season thinking, hey, we got a team that can win the World Series and that being a goal. But you can't even think about that until you win your division first. Yeah, it's it's a 162-game blur. And when I say blur, I don't mean fast, like a blur that just went by in a, in a flash. I'm talking about the blur that's in front of you that – there, like you just said, there's so many things that can that can go wrong mm-hmm. and and cripple a ball club. But the blur is that you just have to keep your head down, Bobby Cox style. Win today, win the series. You know, have a good week, and just keep approaching it that way through this blur that's in front of you. It's like a fog that yeah. you just keep plugging away, hoping that the fog lifts. Because you can't even think about so You can't no. even think about May right now. No, you can't. Uh, it, it's hard enough to stay in the saddle for today, for this week. And and if you can ride the thing all the way out and stay in the saddle all year long, that's awesome. But you can't, you can't stay in the saddle in April, focusing on October, I don't think. Um, and, and I think these teams know that, and I know the team in Atlanta knows that. So, well, I appreciate what Dave Roberts said. I can, I, I'm, um, I, I said before, he's he's very confident and has a right to be because of the players he has on his roster. Um, uh, pressure's on him now. Yeah, don't screw it up. That's a good point. That is a really good point. I mean, on one hand, I can see where maybe your your players respond to that. But on the, on the other hand, you're not the defending champion. So you just put some pressure on your team that maybe wasn't there. I know they're going to have a lot of pressure to win with that payroll and with those expectations. There's always pressure to win, but maybe even more so now after those kinds of comments in the third week of March. All right, we take uh, your emails every single week, and that is bravesbooth at gmail.com. We can go ahead and jump into your, some of your questions. We have a bunch of good ones. I know JC's going to join us. Are we going to welcome him past the loiter line for this segment? Yeah, one of them is, is addressing the loiter line, and we'll get to that first in just a minute. But uh, when Tyler Thornburg, back to him, uh-huh. was pitching, I, I sent a text to somebody who knows and follows the Brewers' Uh, very closely and certainly uh, scout-type person who was around when Thornburg was with the Brewers. And I said, you know, he's in camp with the Braves. He looked good today. Uh, what do you got on Tyler Thornburg? He said, love him, great athlete, center fielder in college, had some great moments but couldn't sustain, sustain success and got injured. But I wouldn't bet against him. 
So that says a lot to me about his makeup, that he's a competitor mm-hmm. and uh, and a position player at heart. He looked good today. Yeah. Looked really good. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, let's start with JC because we've uh, we've established some new boundaries here today, JC. You have. Yeah. So let's let's fire off the loiter line question. You want me to do it or you? Go ahead. This this is your deal. Oh well, no, it's. I'm protecting Ben. <laughs> you know, Jonathan is loves baseball. We all know that. Jonathan uh, likes to see what's going on. And in many vantage points, including here at uh, Cool Today Park, he's sitting in a spot um, removed from us back by the door. So he can't see over our, the desk. And all he can see is the, the backstop, basically, and the cables that hold it up. So when he comes up here and likes to kind of stand and look around and check out the stands, and he's a married man now, so he limits the, what he checks out, <laughs> um, I just let him know. And it goes back in some ways to uh, jumping on me and, and injuring my back. And right, during the World, the World Series. World Series, winning a World Championship. So I, 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 every time I see so you're him, protecting yourself. Every time I see him coming, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to get that <laughs> bowling ball jumping on me or not. So we put some tape on the floor today that to prevent loitering up here by the broadcasters and it's called the loiter line and Jonathan can come up here as I told him earlier if you've got information to share you make a beeline up here buddy (laughs) but if you're just coming up here to hang out there's the line. Right. There's we we don't need any habitual line steppers. There's in this a booth. loiter line right there. Yeah. So it's a piece of yellow tape, and it says loiter line in black, mm-hmm. and I'm not allowed to pass that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just for our safety. It's nothing personal. It's just yeah. for the safety of the broadcast. Yeah, and he can be invited over. Right. Like know? he is now. Yeah. Like right now. And like got- maybe if there's like a pitching change or something, I'm using binoculars. Like I don't have oh, to ask to pass the lawyer. 100%. Line. What would we do without you with all these changes down here without telling us every inning who's new in the ballpark? We, you couldn't see and do that from your perch back there. So it, it's loitering that we're concerned about. So just to be clear, though, moving forward. If I have info, if there's a change, if there's information you need that I need to help you with, mm-hmm. I can cross the lawyer line. But just to come up here and just to hang out with the guys, like, don't cross the lawyer line. Yeah. just Like those times when you come up and kind of pat Ben on the back, you know, there's no real need for that, I don't think. <laughs> it's just uh, reinforcement. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel good that we'll stay safe this season. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about your back being being blown out with no. him crossing the line and well, leaping. Well, you know, into I was arms. confused because this whole loiter line when it started, I asked Joe, either in a commercial break or as soon as the game was over today, is there going to be a loiter line at Truist Park? And he said, no. Yeah, because you got a you got a good perch up there. You, you're okay, up, that makes sense. You're up in the rafters there where you can see over us. I keep uh, I'm keeping the uh, the option open though to evaluate that as the season progresses. Oh sure, sure. So we Based might have behavior? to execute that. Yes, definitely, definitely. And 
we have uh, systems in place for when we need to be told that there's an ID where we have to break for station identification. We have a system in place where you don't have to come down for that. You just flash a light at us. And if that goes out, I'll get you a flashlight and you can <laughs> just turn it, it on. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, this is from Baron, and Baron says, Ben, Joe, and Jonathan, how much does a team's spring training performance translate to the regular season? Have you seen previous teams that had an uncharacteristically good or bad spring and had it carry over into the season? Love the podcast and appreciate all you do. I wouldn't say that wins and losses really mean anything because I can use the ball game the other day versus the Rays as a, as a perfect example where the Braves starters were really, really good, and then by the eighth inning, you're seeing guys who will probably be in double-A or even A-ball this season gave up a bunch of runs late ended up in a tie ball game so more times than not spring training records are misleading because your starters aren't finishing those games Um, so uh, that might not be important but what is important though is establishing a tone for the season establishing uh, your goals for the season because so many times you'll see a, a team win the world series or win a pennant and they're getting interviewed after the game. And I've heard this so many times where guys will say, well, this all started for us at spring training. And that's true. I, I think there's there's a certain mentality, a certain um, uh, a certain level that you achieve at spring training that is kind of the beginning of everything, knowing everything that you can accomplish. So I think from that standpoint, this is very important what you do down here. Maybe not so much the record, but everything else that you establish as a team. How many years ago was it that Colorado went to the World Series? It was 07. 07. They finished up the season with like winning 20 out of 22 games. They had uh, the best defense in baseball. They set a record for feeling percentage. And they all talked about how under Clint Hurdle that year in spring training, they had a, a philosophy. Don't let the ball hit the ground. When they were taking infield practice, when they were taking outfield throwing practice, uh, don't let the ball hit the ground, meaning don't boot it, don't drop it, catch the ball cleanly. And that carried over into the season. Mm-hmm. And they thought about that. So those habits get created here. But the end result, it doesn't matter, wins and losses, just create good habits. Yeah, good point. I looked it up knowing that we were going to answer this question. The Braves went 15-13 and last year in Grapefruit League play. They didn't get to 500, I think, until August at some point, if memory serves. The Astros last year went 6-14 and in spring training in Grapefruit League play. They made it to the World Series. Mm -hmm. I also remember a few years back, and the Braves won the division for four straight seasons. And I forget which year it was, but the Braves really struggled during the spring session. And I remember Brian Snitker saying after a, a game in one of his uh, his press conferences, you know, look, you know, re- wins and losses don't really matter down here, but it'll be nice to win a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know that you really look at the wins and the losses down here, but uh, and how much you look at the regular season and think back to what happened in spring, but certainly you want to win. And I think it's it's how you win or lose. I, I, let me back up. It's how you lose. If you're losing a bunch of games in camp and you're just kicking the ball all over the place and uh, throwing it all over the place, making a lot of errors, a team never looks so bad as when it's playing bad defense. And if you're doing that, rest assured that Ron Washington and the other coaches are going to have these guys out here uh, with extra work because they're not going to tolerate it. And I think probably the best point that's been made was by Ben saying that when you go back and you look at the box scores, of these games win or lose until maybe the last week or last few days in a normal year, 
you have so many changes and you see so many guys, whether it's pitchers or position players, that you're probably not going to see during the course of a regular season. And so, you know, you can't really use that to predict what's going to happen once we get back to Atlanta. And you said the Rays, Rays haven't won a game, have they? No, not unless they won today. Unless they won today. I, you think anybody's saying, boy, I wish we could play the Rays <laughs> to start the season. No, sir. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know what wins does mean? It's good for your organization. That means you're – your big leaguers are playing well, and then your minor league guys are coming late yeah. in the ballgame. They're playing well, too. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for the organization top to bottom. What do you got, JC? I like this question from Andrew. He said, is there a new sense of pride coming into a season after you've won it all, or is it back to business as usual? I'll go back to what I said a minute ago, and that is everybody's out to knock you off your perch, and you can't be complacent and thinking, well, I've already got my ring. You can't be complacent about the start of the season. You still need to get off to a good start. Yeah. And and I will say that then, with that in mind, it's back to business as usual with that big ring hanging on your finger yeah. as you're doing it. There's a point of pride that comes with filing away what happened last year, what they accomplished, and, and what we got to be a part of if, from a broadcasting standpoint was amazing. And I think you take 2021, you're super proud of it. You file it away knowing that it's an accomplishment that will never be erased. Now it's on to 2022. And it's a brand new story. It's a brand new odyssey through a brand new year. And what can you accomplish this year? And I think that's the, the view of the, of the players. Well, and, and let's let's put it on another team. I, I pick a team. I don't care. Uh, maybe they had a bad year. Let's use the Phillies. You know, when you said the other day we were doing their game here that they finished 82 and 80. I didn't realize that, mm-hmm. and they weren't that far behind. I I thought the Phillies had a horrible year. I thought they were like ten games under five hundred, which is better than many teams. But the Phillies, that's going to be eighty two and eighty. That's not hard to improve on, right? And they're and they had a bad year from Aaron Nola. They had a great year from Zach Wheeler. They've gotten better with Schwarber and Cassianos. That's a team that's kind of scary to me because they can go to camp and Joe Girardi can say, hey, we had a horrible year. Right. We had a horrible bullpen. We, we are the worst defensive team in baseball. Our defensive metrics were the worst by large margin, and we had a winning record. Think what we can do this year if we turn the page and get off to a better start and play good baseball. The same thing can be said about a fresh start for a bad ball club. I think it's back to business as usual because you're trying to do it again, right? Yeah. I think the sense of pride comes from if you're lucky enough to come down here to spring training, you can't look in any direction in this ballpark without seeing something that says 2021 World Series champions, and that's awesome. You get to kind of pound your chest a little bit. You get to remember it. Um, You know, when we see uh, opposing broadcast teams everywhere we've been or the the, the teams that have come to – cool today park down here everyone wants to congratulate you everyone wants to talk about it so that part's cool and like i said looking around the entire facility here and all you see is 2021 world series champion stuff it's awesome but as far as the 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 baseball part of it goes i think it has to be back to business as usual because you're trying to do it again yeah you don't want to start the season with a bad record and be embarrassed thinking you're just going to be easy to get it turned around what are your thoughts on this is from mark what are your thoughts on Will Smith relenting his closer's role so easily? To me, it just says, whatever it takes for us to win again, let's do that. If that's what you guys think we should do, then that's what I'm willing to do. 
relenting the job doesn't necessarily mean that he's doing that for the entire season. Maybe it does. Depends on Kenley. But if they need him to go back into the ninth inning, shift some th- some things around, he'll do that. And whatever it takes to win, that's all he cares about. And I think you'd say that about the other 25 guys who will be making this ball club. And that's the, the winner's mentality I'm looking for. When you think back to the postseason last year, Will was almost perfect. I don't think there's any situation he's scared of. I don't think he's relenting anything. He came out and said when he was asked by the media that he told Alex, like, you know, if it's going to make us better, go out and do it. I want another parade, and I think that's all it is. Yeah, everybody likes a parade. Everybody enjoys that part. Keep in mind, Mark, that uh, Will Smith signed a three-year deal with the Braves when they still had Mark Melanson. He had been the closer in San Francisco, but he came here knowing he may not be the closer if Mark Melanson is still on the ball club. And he was, Mark Mark was on the team, so Will was a setup guy. Mm-hmm. So he came here knowing that. He has done this before. He's been here to do whatever it takes to help the team win. And privately, he may go home and, you know, kick his car, you know, and say, <laughs> you know, I'm not the closer and I don't like it. To be professional and classy like he is, he has made it clear that he'll do what is what is necessary, and I think that's cool. I do, too. Uh, this question comes from Brian. What time do you guys arrive to the ballpark for spring training and regular season games? It's very different, spring training and regular season. I'll go first. For me, spring training at 105, home game, I'm usually here by 9 o'clock. For the regular season, for a 721st pitch, I'm usually there by 2 o'clock. Sounds about right. Uh, 105 yeah. home game. I'm usually rolling in here two hours before first pitch. Um, home game during the regular season, generally about three and a half to four hours, I'd say, before first pitch. Yeah, usually there by four o'clock. Yeah. Um, uh, same here. I think I got here today at 1030, and that's that's because I want to make sure I got here for batting practice. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wouldn't need to be here that early. We're at were it not if like if the field was covered or if they were hitting on a backfield, I wouldn't come this early, that early. But uh, ten thirty was perfect today to go by the cage and watch the groups hit, talk to Brian Snitker and Kevin Seitzer, and a couple of the players, and be ready for today's game. That will also apply to this year, where I haven't been able to be on the field because of the COVID restrictions for two years. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be great. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, this question comes from Bill. He'd like to know your favorite place to eat in the Northport area. I'll take Snookhaven. That's an easy one for me. Right on the Mayaka River. And uh, you can sit outside and they got po'boys and catfish and all sorts of stuff. And they got live music there too and real cold beer. So I'll take it. Just wear long sleeves because mosquitoes will eat you <laughs> yeah. up. They Pterodactyls will you over there on the Mayaka. Uh, I like Snow Cave a lot. I also like Daryl's in Venice. It's a yeah. barbecue place. If you like sushi, there's a place right here by the ballpark called Fuji that's really good. 
And there's uh, also a, a pizza place right there in the same shopping center called uh, Boca Lupa, I believe, or Lupo, something like that. It's a coal. Yeah, coal-fired pizza. Right. It's really yeah. good. I haven't found one. I thought it was Culver's for you. By default, if nothing else? Uh, convenience. Yeah. For convenience, but I'm still looking for that go-to place. Um, boy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on. <clears throat> um, here's one from Jason in Reno, Nevada. This is an easy one. Hey, Joe, Ben, and Jay, Chad, here's my question. Bases loaded, two out, bottom of the ninth. Would you rather be the hitter to hit a walk-off hit or home run, or would you rather be the pitcher to get the strikeout to end the game? Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. Love listening to every game. Jason and Reno. You want to be the hitter or the strikeout pitcher? Either. I'm helping my, te- my team win the game, right? Yeah. Okay, either. It doesn't matter. I'm hitting the bomb. Oh, God, easy. That, <laughs> right, Ben. That is a parade right like, there, baby. Yeah. That is a strutting around the bases, throwing your helmet off. Yeah. I'm, Nobody ever says, hey, that guy had the walk-off strikeout to win yeah, the game. right. <laughs> this guy had a walk-off homer. You remember that. Right. Taking the bomb. <laughs> you, you bet, Jason. I'll take the hit. Uh, let's see. Man, we got to have a bunch of really good questions this week. Oh, now here, let's go back to food. Okay. Let's. This is from E. Levi Hill. Um, what is your favorite place to eat on the road? I know Ben knows the restaurants around here in Jackson, Mississippi. What's your favorite place to eat here in Jackson Ooh. first, Ben? Okay. Um, back home. Cock of the Walk. Cock of the Walk is way up there. Hamels is way up there. Um, a lot of people go Shapley's, but it's a good steakhouse. But I like when I go home, I want like crawfish or fried catfish or, you know, like southern comfort food. So I'll probably go Cock of the Walk or Hamels. And, um, yeah, that'll probably do it for me. Those two are the very top. And, and I'll take Jerry's on Highway 49. It's also a catfish house. It's terrific. You love your catfish. Best catfish in the world is back home. So I'll, I'll try to load up when I get back home. How about on the road for you, Jonathan? <laughs> That's, I mean, what city are we talking about? I have a note in my phone. And, every like, I literally probably have every city that we go to. I got to, an idea. And I... You you get to choose your your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner any place that oh, we go. Oh, that's good. I like that. I'm gonna need some time to be honest. <laughs> like I said, I have a note in my phone really for almost every city we go to with restaurants I've been to or yeah. restaurants I want to go to. Um, and there's there's way too many to try to pick one. I think a breakfast place in Denver. Um, I got a bunch of good ones. Snooze, snooze. Yeah, love that place. That's breakfast for me. Um, lunch and dinner kind of run together for me because I usually don't eat a big meal at lunch. Yeah. Uh, eat, uh, either at the ballpark or after the game. Um, but there's, there's so many good steakhouses and restaurants on the road. Yeah. Uh, including one we were talking about the other day in St. In St. Louis, right there outside the, the hotel. What's it called? It's the the area like eight oh is it what's the area code eight oh three steakhouse chop house yeah eight oh yeah eight oh something that's a really good place just right off the top of my head but that was also the first restaurant we got to eat at yeah after going on the road last year so it was that much better all right here's my rundown breakfast Sarah Beth's New York City it's only gonna be about a hundred dollars but it's worth it because I can't stop ordering. The, the biggest mistake I ever need... made. What year was that? Like 2018, probably. <laughs> yeah. Ben texted me one morning. We're in New York City. 
He said, you want to go to breakfast? I said, sure. I said, where are we going? He said, just trust me. <laughs> I said, okay. So we meet downstairs in the lobby. We're dressed in like workout clothes, shorts, a t-shirt. And here we go. We start taking off. Well, we wind up at this place called Sarah Beth's right at Central Park. We go in, white tablecloth. Oh. Everyone's in suits, ties, Uh-oh. all buttoned up. Here we are in workout clothes. And I look at the menu, and I think for the two of us, breakfast was about seven hundred dollars. It wasn't <laughs> that bad, and it's good. And I just said, uh, <laughs> never again. <laughs> Take Sarah Beth's, uh, Sarah Beth's breakfast, uh, Reading Terminal Market in Philly for lunch. Anything in there, all those yeah. uh, sandwich shops and such, and uh, Gibson's in Chicago for dinner. That's my three. Gibson's is awesome. There's so many good steakhouses we go to, yeah. though. I just love it. Place we went to in the playoffs um, in West Hollywood, Oliveta. Yeah, yeah, was really, really good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the one of the place, one place I really liked. That's actually uh, a chain, and I don't know if there's one still in Atlanta. I think there was one at uh, Phipps, Davio's, uh, in Philadelphia. There still is one at Phipps. I-, I love going to Davio's in Philadelphia because it's only a block and a half walk, and I love sitting at the bar. I love sitting at the that bar is there good, and, yeah. and eating there. Can you tell we love food? <laughs> we can go on as yeah. much about this yeah. as we can about the ball yeah, club. We could make a long list for all of us. Uh, let's see. How often are we going to be doing the podcast during the regular season? That's from Bernie Groom. It's usually weekly. Yeah. We, Every week, we 10 try. days. If we, if we miss a week or something, we don't. it's not because we don't like you folks. It's just we'll try to do it every week. We usually try. It's usually Tuesday, Wednesday, right, Warren? Are we? Isn't that what we said? Something like that. Yeah. that sounds right. Um, let's see. Um, hi guys, Clint Pruitt from Mooresville, North Carolina. I listen to you guys almost every game. Might miss ten out of one hundred sixty-two. Anyways, I want to know how fun it is to hang out with the Braves team every day. Is the chemistry that they uh, seem to have real? Thanks, guys, and keep up the awesome work. I think so. You win the World Series, you're going to have great chemistry, and I, I think that for new players who are joining this ball club. They know that there's a standard of winning here, and th- that uh, that chemistry is contagious. And I think that's a, a great thing that you build when you win. And I, I think this team is going to have uh, every bit as much of gr- the great chemistry this year as they had last season. Yeah, I think it'll be even better. I, I think because they know they can pick each other up and um, get through some rough times. This question comes from Cam in Moultrie, Georgia. He said, hey, guys, Oreo Joe, you're my hero. You've been a part of Braves baseball since I was about seven. Ben, I love your passion for the game. Uh, for the game, J. Chad, you're cool. Thanks, Cam. <laughs> Question: What are your thoughts on the universal DH? Do you see it ha- helping or hurting the game? Thanks for the entertainment all season. Go Braves! Thanks, Cam. That's good stuff. Um, I, I'm I've moved on, Cam. I used to be such an ardent opponent of the DH because of the purity of the National League game and how it was meant to be played with a pitcher hitting for himself. Uh, I never bought into, oh, yeah, who buys a ticket to watch a pitcher hit or bunt? Um, people who love the game, mm-hmm. people who grew up knowing how the game was played. So I've given up on that. I've moved on. Uh, I'm going to embrace the DH and hope that it is um, something that is helpful to the Braves. I, it can't hurt, so uh, we'll make the best of it. I came around on it two years ago, and I will miss the the traditional nature of the National League and 
Not to say that I got on the edge of my seat when pitchers came to the plate, but when a pitcher would come through and get a base hit, that was always super exciting to me. Uh, but I understand what we saw two years ago with the DH was very exciting, especially for the team in Atlanta. It lengthened the lineup. Uh, lots of big numbers, and, and I hope we get to see that a lot this season. And uh, I, I know this much, like it or not, I'm glad that we're playing by the same rules now as the American League. It would be it would be weird if teams in, in football in the NFC played on a 75-yard field and teams in the AFC played on a 100-yard field. It just didn't make sense to have yeah. different rules. It's just weird. Uh, so to have that kind of uniformity, I guess that makes some sense, and hopefully that means more runs in Atlanta. I was always – oh, I've always been more of a National League guy myself, uh, a traditionalist. I always liked the strategy involved in the National League game and for managers to have to make decisions. It seemed like, to me at least – an American League manager, you have your lineup, you have your DH. There's there's not a ton that in the course of the game. A National League manager is constantly having to think ahead and what he's going to do, and you know that's gone. And I thought that part of the game was fun. Me trying to think along with the manager up here, um, but you know I guess I've come around and I embrace it like Joe. It is what it is. So you might as well embrace it because it's how it's going to be. Well, the other part of of what you know, rather than talk about pitchers hitting you start thinking about who's available to pinch hit uh-huh. as the game goes along. Do you leave your pitcher in the game or do you pinch hit for him uh, and try to get an extra run here and there? All those strategies are out the window. Right. It doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You can leave your pitcher in there till hell freezes over. He's never going to come up to hit. Well, let's use that to jump right into Ann's question. Ann from Smyrta says, uh, can you give me a rundown of the new rules for this year? For example, I've heard conflicting info about pitting a man at second in extras. Are we doing that again? So let's start from the top. DH in both leagues. We know that. Uh, Also, in the first month of the season, you'll see rosters expanded to 28 because spring training has been shorter. So instead of 26-man rosters, 28-man rosters, of which 15 can be pitchers. Come May 2nd, the rosters go back to 26, of which 13 can be pitchers. So that's a rule change for you this year. Um, furthermore, you've got the uh, what we're calling the Shohei Otani rule, where if a pitcher is also used as the designated hitter, and this is specifically for him, I, I don't know another pitcher that would be used as a DH. If a pitcher is also the DH, then when the pitcher is lifted from the game and they go to the bullpen, that guy can stay in the game as the designated hitter. So I think that's a good rule for Shohei Otani. Uh, and for the game, to keep one of the superstars yeah. in the game and let him have four or five ABs. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Um, what are the rule changes? The runner at second. Yeah, runner at second. I don't know. I'm, I'm not clear on that. I've heard both ways, like uh, the person who sent the question. I've heard conflicting stories about that, too. So it has been it, – it's up for approval. Everybody expects that that's going to be the case. Um, and the reason is is because spring training, again, has been shorter. Managers are potentially – um, they want to protect against games in April going 17, 18, 19 innings for pitchers who haven't worked their way up as long as they normally would have. So from what I understand, there's going to be, upon this approval, and everybody expects it to be approved, that we will have ghost runners at second base again, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, and, and we'll do it for this season. That'll be that. Another rule change is we will not have seven-inning doubleheaders anymore. Those will be nine-inning doubleheaders. So those are some of the rule changes that we will see. Personally, I could go without the runner at second base. Uh, I'm glad that we're done with the seven-inning doubleheaders. I understand it made a lot of sense um, in COVID years where you had outbreaks on teams. You had to make up some games. 
Um, We're going to have some long days at the ballpark this year. We will. But I think that's the way the game's supposed to be played. You play a doubleheader, you're supposed to play two nine-inning games. Yeah. And, always, always have. Yeah. Uh, here's one from uh, Kevin. Will teams purposely wean off the shift or ramp up the shift given its eventual ban in 2023? And also adds, also J- has J. Chad received justice in the stolen pen caper? Let's start with that one from Kevin, who says, thanks, best broadcast in baseball. We appreciate that, Kevin. Did you get justice when you went to play Boston the other day? I did. I feel like I did. What would you do? So Ben and I were eating lunch with Nick Green. Was that Monday we were there? Sounds right. In Fort Myers to play the Red Sox. And we sit down. We're enjoying a nice lunch. And as fate would have it, the PA guy sits down at the table next to us. I turn around, and there he is, Ben pointing him out. And Ben said, now would be a good time to go in there and get what's yours. Yeah. And so I said, no, I want him to be in there. Oh. I'm going to finish my lunch. I'm going to sit right here. Oh. <laughs> so we finished lunch. We went in there, and he's now moved. Like, you remember last year how he was in the booth next to us? Uh-huh. Well, this may have been like a one-time thing, them knowing we were coming, so they wanted to move him down the hall. Oh, yeah. So he, was, he was down the hall as far as you could go. Pr- protective custody. So... I don't know, about 20 minutes before the game started, I made my way down there. I have pictures, by the way. We had a conversation. And um, and that how'd that go? For me, it went, it went well. Uh, I put my hand on his shoulder, I reintroduced myself, and I let him know that, you know, last year uh, we, we came down to Fort Myers. You'd come over to our booth. You were unsure about some of the names. I helped you. And I turned around, and you had walked off with my pen. And I've been stewing on this for a year, <laughs> and I need it back. And he wanted to know what kind of pen it was. I told him it was a Uniball Signo. He didn't have it. And I said, well, I need you to part with one of your writing utensils, <laughs> utensils now so I feel like we're even. And he looked down, and he had three pens. And um, I said, I want that one on the left. And so I got the pen, and I walked out of the booth. And it's right back here sitting next to me now. I think you ought to frame it. See, I think just out of spite because it doesn't match your other pins, you just throw it away. I could do that. Take too. his pins, just chunk I it. I got the satisfaction I wanted. He took right. something of mine. I went, I confronted him, and I took something of his. Did he have a dumbfounded look on his face? He had no idea what was going on. I'll bet he did. Oh, he knew. Oh, he knew. Oh, he knew. He knew. And he saw you coming. <laughs> he got out his he got his his class A pins out too. He had some big league pins out, but he put them away when he saw you coming. Well. The whole thing was a long time again. coming. And, and and he I didn't know this was about to happen, but he just says, hey, take a picture when I go down there. And next thing you know, he's down there having a conversation with a guy three booths down. Keep an eye on me. I can see you. It, it, it's just glass in, from each booth. So I can see through all the booths to where he was. And there he was, hand on the guy's shoulder, talking down to him like he was his father. And you left and he said, you're not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> Pretty much. This guy came in here and wanted his stolen pin back. I didn't have it. <laughs> And he had to pick one of my three pins, and he took a rookie ball pin. Can you believe it? He took the worst <laughs> pin I've got. Well, I would say this. Last week we said stay tuned. We go down there one more time. So I'm not saying that this isn't over, but I'm not saying that it is over. Oh, boy. Well, a year later, it seems like the case is finally closed. We have some closure on this well, case. Well, just hide your stuff, you know, when you go down there. Don't leave it out when you go to lunch or anything like that. Um, Kevin also said, was asking about, the shift 
I don't see any changes, Kevin. People are going to shift if they want to this year, not because they got to get it out of their system or anything, but uh, they'll shift, and next year they can't. Yeah, they'll, they'll shift as radically as they want, and then they'll make the adjustment next year. There's no reason for any team to wean off the shift. Uh, as long as it's within the rules this season, they're going to continue to do it until they can't. Right. Yeah. I have a question. It's not on the list. It's from me. Uh, I've got some uh, ripple sour cream and onion potato chips here in front of me, kind of holding me over till dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your favorite chip? Hmm. I, I like the, uh, the the kettle chips that are extra crunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some of those kettle chips right now at the house we're staying in. Um, the, uh, it's a jalapeno flavor. Yeah, those are good. Those are really good. I'll take either the jalapeno or the the uh, black pepper and salt mm-hmm. kettle chips. I like okay. salt and vinegar. Okay. I like sour cream and onion um, Pringles. I like sour cream and onion Lay's. That's, that's the top of my I list. Haven't, I haven't done this in a long time, but, you know, if you want to go full fat boy. Yeah. Some Doritos, regular or Cool Ranch. Yeah, Cool Ranch, cool. Nice. We've been going fat boy at the house this spring. We've mm-hmm. been crushing the ice cream. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, uh, put on a couple of pounds. Uh, I just was <laughs> curious. I mean, I got these chips here. I'm trying not to eat them while we're talking. Well, they're, talking. Glu- they're gluten-free. Well, bonus. Um, I got one more. All right. Um, from Clint Pruitt from Mooresboro, North Carolina. I like it when you tell us where you're from, folks. That's good. We like that. I listen to you guys almost every game. Might miss 10 out of 162. Anyway, I want to know how fun it is to hang out with this Braves team every day and is the chemistry that they seem to have real. You've already read that question, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. I already read that one. I forgot to check it off. I got to that part. Uh well, like, it is fun to hang out with them every single day. We didn't answer that part. Like Ben said. So whatever. Um, this is from Tyler in Atlanta. God, Joe, pay attention. My question is for all of you guys. What is your fra- favorite Freddie Freeman moment as an Atlanta Brave? Him catching the final out of the World Series seems like an obvious choice, but perhaps there are other moments too. And with that, uh, Tyler, this will be – the last Freddie Freeman question we answer this year that that's relative to anything other than him just playing. I, I got to go the home run off Josh Hader in the oh. division series. Yeah. And the stadium was just rocking mm-hmm. and uh, up two games to one uh, tie game. And, and he hits it to left center. The place is going nuts. You said on the call, it's my favorite part of that call where you said, I've never seen him like this rounding the bases i mean he and and then he takes the curtain call and my gosh i I still get chills thinking about that that's a big one there there's so many it's hard to to pick one but you know i thought about this after we knew freddie wasn't coming back to the braves and that is that his last at bat at braves uniform he had a home run and then as tyler pointed out catching the final out of the World Series, um, you know, how appropriate that both of those hap- things happened in the same game. At the time, not knowing he would never wear a Braves uniform again. Yeah. Well, I don't know that this will happen. I hope it won't. And I think we all know Freddie well enough to feel like it won't happen. I just don't want Freddie to build up some uh, animosity 
or disgust with the Atlanta Braves. And by that, I mean the Braves fans will always love Freddie, provided he still kind of remains a Brave at heart, no matter what uniform he's wearing, because of all he did and because of all these highlights. I don't want him to alienate his fan base in Atlanta. Uh, And he was close to it in his press conference with the Dodgers. There was kind of a sullen... uh, tone in his voice that kind of scared me about what direction he was going to take because everybody still loves Freddie. That hasn't changed and won't change unless he does something to alienate the fan base. Everybody wants Freddie to come back for events after he's retired for alumni weekends, for any other kind of special event. He's going to go in the Braves hall of fame provided he doesn't do something where he alienates Mm -hmm. the organization. I don't want to see that happen. I'm hoping it won't. I don't think it will. I want him to be Freddie Freeman, the Brave, even though he's playing for somebody else. Yeah, I think so, too. And I know we'll all look back on his time in a Braves uniform with uh, lots of good memories and lots of really good times. Best of luck to him moving forward. And uh, I'm right there with you. I think he will do the right thing moving forward. He'll compete. He'll play really hard. And when he's all said and done in his career, uh, he'll be welcome back for sure and probably be a Braves Hall of Famer and all that. And I look forward to all those days. Right. Well, that'll wrap things up for us. This has been, this might be the longest podcast we've ever had. And uh, we always appreciate you all it, being out there. It gets loud. It gets long when guys are reading the same dang question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, we'll be back with you next week. I think we'll do one more show here at the, uh, at the spring training facility. It'll be sometime next weekend, I guess. And then the following Thursday will be opening day. So that's coming up very quickly, less than two weeks till opening day. And we look forward to it. Can't wait to see you all at the park or somewhere along the line as we progress through 2022. Again, uh, you can always email us your questions. It's bravesbooth at gmail.com. Never too early to do that for our next episode. And uh, wherever you get your podcasts, like, uh, subscribe, uh, rate us, whatever it may be. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. So till next time, for Jay Chad, for Joe, I'm Ben. You've been inside the Braves booth.